1: With a
2: reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell.
3: Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, I am Gary Bell. And once again, you may or may not be aware that there is a war raging all around us. It's not a war of guns and missiles. However, in the end, it may prove to be just as deadly. It's not a war over land and territories, but it is a war to capture and influence the hearts and the minds of our society. It's a cultural war. Tonight, we bring you part six B in our series, discussing the 10 cultural and current issues that affect us as individuals, that affect our families, our churches, our communities, and our world at large. These cultural and current issues not only affect us, but can lead us in the wrong direction, away from God and our fellow man. The real issue is how do we respond to these 10 cultural and current issues from a biblical and apologetic perspective? Well, to the the answer to this and, and so much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight?
1: Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uplifting and challenging introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. and We know you're gonna be blessed by our program tonight. So buckle up and uh, get your pen and paper and get to a desk along with your Bible and uh, get ready to be blessed by the Word of God and our time together. And uh, as Brother Gary has said, we are in a cultural current uh, war uh, every day uh, for the souls of uh, human beings. We're in a spiritual war And we need to put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the wiles of the wicked one, the fiery darts. And he's throwing those darts at us nonstop. And, you know, uh, when you look at this uh, day and age in which we're living in, there is a cultural current war uh, with uh, these three C's. And there are other threes that go against these three C's. And you might want to uh, write down these three C's because uh, the enemy is attacking uh, these areas by which we uh, are Americans living in America. And so the first one is the enemy is attacking the first C, which is Christianity. The devil hates Christianity because it relates to Christ. And Jesus said they will hate you because... They first hated me. And that's so true. That was a word of prophecy that the Lord gave us. And then the second C is the Constitution, you know, that was framed by our forefathers. And uh, this uh, uh, cultural war that we're in, current war that we're in, is going against the uh, framework of the uh, our forefathers, what they constituted and they are trying to turn the Constitution upside down. That's why people need to study it and learn about it because uh, this current uh, government is going against everything that our forefathers established in the Constitution. The third C is capitalism. They are going against that as well and twisting that upside down. And what the devil is doing He's going up against these three C's by uh, using these other uh, threes, and that's communism, Marxism, and socialism. Number one, communism, Marxism, and socialism. So be on your guard against these things. Now, uh, we're going to be in the uh, future teaching a little bit more on this transgender stuff, and I wanted to say something about that quickly. There's a, such a thing today as the transgender mutilation. Have you ever heard of that? Transgender mutilation. And what that has to do with is, uh, uh, even the government putting their approval on it, is uh, mutilating uh, children's uh, privates and changing it, a boy into one, to change a boy privates into a girl's private and vice versa. And this is what is known as this uh, transgender mutilation. And uh, they got different terms for it, but that's what it is, my friend. And we gotta be on our guards. It's a warfare and they are attacking our children. And uh, Jesus has made it clear regarding us and children. You offend one of these little ones, it's better off than a millstone was hung about your neck and you cast into the midst of the sea. Uh, the Lord takes great delight in children and we have to defend them, not only as uh, Christians, but as parents, uh, because it's an all-out war of the mutilation. And one particular university uh, is uh, uh, was called out about this, and they tried to change up that they weren't doing that, but they were doing it. So be on your guard, because there's a lot of warfare going on out there in the unseen world. Now, uh, last time... Uh, I have talked about uh, in this uh, series, number six, and I was talking about what is political correctness? What is political correctness? Let me try to finish up on this uh, so next time we can get into number seven, which is the cancer culture. Uh, Now, what is political correctness? This phrase is well known and is commonly used over and over in the world, but unfortunately, It is even used in some of the churches. It refers to the prescribed way to speak and act, and any deviation from that general progressive correct view in the eyes can lead to being counseled if not followed. Now, people are being counseled who are Christians and conservatives, or anyone who has a different view from the mainstream Marxist, socialist, communist views of the world today. Uh, The things such as freedom of speech is dead thing and is outside the window. So let me say some things, some encouraging words about this in conclusion, because we need to give some uh, answers from 1 Peter 3 and 15. And uh, me being an apologist, uh, I want to kind of give you some answers so when you are confronted with this, you can respond from biblical an apologetic perspective. Now, let me say several things on this. Number one, in my conclusion, we as Christians should not use the words, I am not political, politically correct, but I'm biblically correct in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be emphasizing. We're biblically correct. We get into heaven by being biblically correct, and you can go to hell by being politically correct if you don't get to the first B before that second P. Now that's the first point. Number two, we must not compromise. These are the three Cs, make a note of that. We must not compromise, that's the first C, confuse, second C, third C, contradict. The truth in the midst of error. And why do I say that? Because in First John 4 and 6, the Apostle John, He says, We are of God. He that knoweth God, see, you got to know him. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. My friend, you got to really put on your discernment cap in this day and age, not only outside the church, but even your discernment cap in churches today too, because a lot of them are going left as well, and politically correct. Listen, to be involved with political correctness is to be involved with the spirit of error. We need to follow uh, Jesus as God's ultimate truth. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth of life. No man come to the Father but by me. Number three, don't be fearful or afraid of conflict for the truth's sake. Now, let me say it again. Don't be fearful or afraid of conflict for the truth's sake. You know, God has not given us spirit of fear, but of love, power, the sound mind. And uh, Jesus said, fear not man, but fear what God can do. Now, in Matthew 18 and 7, Jesus said, woe unto the world because of offenses. Look at that word. Think about that word, offenses. For it need be that offenses come, but woe unto that man by whom the offenses cometh. You know, my mentor, Dr. Walter Martin, the late Dr. Walter Martin, once said, quote, Controversy for controversy's sake is a sin, but controversy for truth's sake is a divine imperative. Oh, I just love that. Let me say that again. It's so powerful. Controversy for controversy's sake is a sin, but controversy for truth's sake is a divine imperative. <clears throat> So in 1 Peter 2 and verse 8, 1 Peter 2 and verse 8, the Apostle Peter said regarding Christ, he is a stone, quote, he is a stone of stumbling, or a rock of offense. He talks about that offense too. My friend, you just can't get away from that offense in this world. Uh, you know, you can't sugarcoat the gospel. You can't be into a feel-good gospel or a compromise gospel. You got to tell it like it is because Jesus said the truth will make people free. Now, Jesus said the offensive thing in communicating his message of love and the gospel itself is offensive. You know, in John 6 and verses 66 through 67. John 6 verses 66 through 67. In verse 66, Jesus said, from that time, the scripture says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Why did they do that? Because his words were offensive, and, and there's people like that in the church. When you start preaching the truth of the gospel, you know, they want to turn against you. You know, they want to turn against what you're trying to do that's right. You stick with it. You stay with it. Verse 67 in John 6, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? See, that's an, this is an extreme discipleship. You know, I'm writing a book on that. On the stream discipleship there is an offensive truth language. Now listen to this. There is an offensive truth language, but also there is an offensive language that has nothing to do with the truth, but man's anger being expressed and this and this type of offensive language doesn't please God. Now you gotta distinguish between the truth. Offensive truth language and offensive language that's humanism, secularism, and your own anger, you know. Now, James 1 and 20 says, for the the wrath or anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God, in James 1 and 20. The Bible warns against sinful language, and we see that in Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to be used of edifying and that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The Bible teaches, according to Jesus, we are to love our neighbors, the people that are around us, and uh, to be the light of the world, to be, uh, we are to be change agents, not secret agents. We are to let our light, light so shine before man. And we are to do that on a consistent basis and uh you know so men will see christ uh through us and uh and jesus said in in mark uh 12 and 29 through 31 talked about to love the lord god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second one is love your neighbor as yourself now that's very important that we do that and we need to be discerning at what we do and we need to make sure that our language is godly language, that it is uh, reflecting of Christ and that our minds are his mind, because a lot of times we'd like to get on an authority trip uh, ourselves and we got to repent of that. So we're going to pray in conclusion here and we want you to follow along with this prayer. Dear Lord, we ask you to forgive us of all our sins through word, deed, and thought. And Lord, we just pray that you would bring us to not only confession, but repentance. May we bring forth the fruit of repentance that John the Baptist said. And may we surrender our lives to you, not only as Savior, but Lord, as King, ruler, that we will be loyal and faithful to you because you said, if we're faithful and little, you'll bless us in much. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary.
3: All right, well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
2: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the Spirit of the Bay.
3: Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the Colts, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. We're here for you. And also, we want to thank you from from the bottom of our hearts for so many of you being here for us all these many years through your prayers and your consistent giving to Contending for the Faith. It's just Such a blessing that we can continue to do this ministry, that we can continue to do the work God has called us because you uh, have blessed us with your prayers as well as your financial giving. It is a listener-supported ministry, and we are so glad to have your prayer support as well as your continuous donations. It's keeping us going, and so we thank you. Uh, There's two ways that you can donate. One, you can address a... Check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, that's spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California 94920, that's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California 94920. Second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, Dr. Buckner, about ready to uh, go to the phone lines.
1: Yes. And before we do that, let me add to what you're saying. Uh, we, we do appreciate uh, everybody's prayers because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your prayers and your financial support. And it's uh, always uh, ministers to us and blesses us when we uh, get uh, letters from you to let us know how the ministry is blessing you. Uh, that really blesses us when we get letters from you. And it's been a little slow now, but uh, people are going through so much with the COVID and trying to get back to uh, adjusting with work and uh, a lot of other things. So we want to just encourage people to continue to uh, pray for us. And to give and send letters uh, of encouragement to us because it really blesses us. And so we just want to uh, put that out there to you guys. And uh, and also when you send your letters as well, uh, or you can email us and just, uh, you know, let us know if you need prayer. We'll be praying for you during the week as well. We don't have to do it just on Saturday. We can do it uh, every every day for you, so uh, that's the benefit of you connecting with us on an ongoing basis, so okay, Brother Gary, let's uh, get to our first caller, who was that? Looks like we have Brother Rick on line one. Brother Rick, how are you, you all. How are you? I am blessed, how about yourself? We are truly blessed, we're having an awesome time, how did the message today, we got, you're the only caller right now, the we got another caller coming up, but how did the message minister to you uh, d- today?
2: Well, there, there, there's when I, I, you know what I, you know what I still keep thinking about from uh, Walter Martin's book, uh, you know, the Kingdom of the Cults. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of the key chapters in that entire book is scaling the language barrier, mm-hmm. and it's not only you know, scaling the language barrier of cults, but our own language barrier. Sometimes, sometimes. When we when we use offensive language, we 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 become a we become a stumbling block to other people. But mm-hmm. so if we speak the language like the way Christ speaks the language, and we get our point across mm-hmm. in love and with boldness, mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Hey, Amen. That's so, so true. What we say what we say does make a difference but we, we don't do it out of fear of being politically being politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. We do it mm-hmm. out of love, sound mind, of being biblically correct.
1: So true, Rick. That uh, feeds right into the message itself. So thank you so much for those encouraging words there, uh, that feedback. So what's on your heart tonight? You have a question?
2: Well, i got a, got, a, got a question which, uh, which is germane to the subject tonight in the book of James chapter 2 verse 8 it talks about a, a royal it talks about something that is royal in terms of loving loving your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and mentions that we do very well in it i was reading the context of it but i like to explain i like to have you explain what the royal law is
1: okay well that's a very good question brother rick and this is the question that seems to bring some confusion with uh, some uh, believers, Christians, and let's try to take the fusion out of confusion. Uh, uh, So Rick is asking a question from James chapter two, verse eight, and let me read it. So uh, people can get the context by what she's asking the question. It says, uh, James says, "If if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, Thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. And may the Lord have the blessing to the reading and the edification and the exhortation of his holy word. So uh, the royal law is something that many cults have tried to uh, literally uh, eisegete in the sense of reading into the context something that's not there. They try to say this is talking about keeping the Sabbath and the old festivals and the traditions and the laws and all that stuff in the Old Testament 613 strong but this is not what it's saying uh, in this context at all um, so the royal law uh, in Greek uh, it, it has uh, about two deep meanings So number one the royal law refers to uh, Jesus as king because royalty he's the royal one which is Jesus, you know, and we're royal uh, under him and loyal under him because he's the royal king. So it refers, number one, so it refers to Jesus as the royal king. He's the royal king and, um, and he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And then number two, it refers to uh, God's uh, sovereign law. And the sovereign law is quoted way back like in Leviticus uh, 19 and verse 18 and Deuteronomy 6 and 4 and 5, when it combines with it the command of the, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength from Matthew 22 and 36 to 40, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we fulfill the royal law in Christ, notice I said in Christ, who is the king. We fulfill the royal law by what Paul is saying in Romans uh, 13. The Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 13 verses 8 through 10. And he gives a list of all the different commandments and he doesn't even mention the Sabbath, but he says, if there be any other law, it is Summed up under this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and uh, and this is the fulfillment of the law. He says, love. He's talking about love. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you has you have fulfilled the law, according to the Apostle Paul. But it's also with Jesus because they were asking him, what's the greatest commandment? He said the Sabbath day, and say the new moons, the festivals, and all that. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. 613 is hung up on those two right there. And uh, that's what it's all about. And, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about in Colossians 2, that uh, the, uh, the festival, the new moons, and he mentioned the Sabbath. He says, these things are shadow. Uh, but the substance is Christ. There was a story one time that was told about um, a man getting off of the, uh, you know, he was getting, uh, his, his fiance was getting off the plane. And then he saw her from a distance and then he ran towards her. And as he was so excited that his uh, body, his, her body cast a shadow in front of her. And he was so excited, he fell down and fell on the shadow and knocked his teeth out. Uh, and uh, you know, he was kissing the shadow, and she's sitting up there as the substance, saying, "What's what's going on here?" Now, that's a good illustration of what even the summer says: "Kiss the sun, lest he be angry." You know, that's why Paul said all those things are just the shadow. The substance is Christ, and we need to stick with Him over all this tradition and rituals because Jesus made it very clear. Your traditions have made the word of God to no effect. You know, a lot of people are going to hell based upon traditions and laws and rituals and all that stuff. You know, Jesus has made us free from all that stuff in him. So hopefully that helps out, Brother Rick, that uh, me explaining that uh, royal law from two perspectives, Jesus being the king because he's royalty, And then also the sovereign law of God, which is referring to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, your neighbor as yourself. And that's why he mentions, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But when he mentions the royal law, that's loving God because Christ, he's God. And then, so this is the dual point in verse 8, where it points to Christ, and then it points to. Uh, loving your neighbor, that's the sovereign law of God. Those two are all wrapped up in that one uh, verse. So help, hopefully that helps out and gives you a little more insight into that scripture, Rick.
2: With the world actually kind of connects all the dots.
1: hmm Amen. Uh, do you, Amen have any, so you, you have any prayer requests? Thank you very much on we? that. I appreciate that. You got it. Do you have any prayer requests before we let you go? Uh. Continue to pray around my
2: health and also pray that my, fam- my, my family is going to be coming coming down, uh, coming up the, the next couple of weeks. My sister is going to be coming on August 26th, and then my cousin Debbie is going to be coming uh, September 1st with her daughter Dara. So pray that my time goes well with all of them, including my brother. We're all going to be a uh, part of the get-together together and I'm sure many things are going to come up. I've, I've, I've even brought the idea of having them meet you. Mm-hmm. Even, though, even though they're not open to it right now. You never yeah. know.
1: Keep yeah, yeah, that know in God prayer. You never know what God's going to do. All right. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer on that, uh, Brother Gary. All right. So,
3: Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. And we, pray, we always pray earnestly, Lord God, for his health, that you would strengthen him in this physical man, Strengthen him, strengthen him in his inner man as well, Lord God. Encourage him and keep him going. Keep him filled with your joy and your peace, Lord God. That perfect peace that surpasses all understanding, guard his heart and his mind. And Lord God, continue to use him uh, to your glory. You placed him in our midst, and we're so thankful that he's a part of our lives. And we know, Lord God, that you pray, pray, prepare to work for him to do. And that uh, as long as he's on planet Earth, you've got that work going on in his life, that he would touch lives and and communicate the gospel effectively to everybody that's around him, including his family. As they get ready to come up, we pray, Lord God, that there be ample opportunities to share Christ and that they would be receptive and that their hearts would be open and that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes and, and open their hearts to receive Jesus. We pray that you just bless that time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Brother Rick. God bless you. Thank you. You got it. All
3: right. Well, it looks like uh, it's time for us to take a quick commercial break. Pick up that phone, give us a call. We'll be right back with more contending for the faith.
2: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, The Spirit of the Bay.
3: Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bayer, pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith these many, many years. It's such a blessing to know that so many people are lifting us up before the Lord. It's those prayers that keep this ministry going. So we want to encourage you to continue to pray for this ministry, as well as continue to partner with us financially. It's a listener-supported ministry, and you guys have been so tremendous in that support. And we can't thank you enough. When we just say, continue to pray, and as God has blessed you, continue to give. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Baby. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box P, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier, so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. Well, it looks like the phone lines are lit up like a proverbial Christmas tree, Dr.
1: <laughs> Amen. We, we used to say that quite a bit, right, around the <laughs> Christmas time. <but> yep. <laughs> I, guess, I guess Christmas time is every day, Brother Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's come <laughs> early this year. Amen. Yes, yeah. sir.
3: Well, let's get to our next caller, KT.
1: How you doing there?
3: Okay, I'm doing great.
1: Oh, good. Good to hear from you. Uh, is, is this your first time calling or did you call in before? We I'm try, trying to recall.
0: Yeah, I called in before, but you, you were having um, uh, phone problems at the time, so I couldn't get through.
1: Well, we're glad that we're not having any phone problems tonight and we got you through tonight. So we appreciate you calling and what's on your heart tonight, my brother?
0: Well, um, my question is about the, the black Israelites. Like, yes. uh I'm in Oakland, and I ran, in, ran into a couple of them um, recently. And I'm wondering, like, can you tell me, like, what, number one, what is their agenda? And then, number two, in terms of um, apologetics, how should we as Christians approach them or respond to them? Uh, is there a certain uh, approach we should use or uh, an area we should just focus on? For example, like when you talk with Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, you don't want to get sidetracked with a lot of non-essential issues, but you want to focus on the deity of Christ and uh, the subject of salvation, as as though those were the main, the two main issues you want to focus on. You don't want to get sidetracked. Uh, with the other issues they bring up, so when it comes to the black israelites is there is there something that we we as Christians can just centralize and focus on when we 're talking or dealing with them because they bring up a lot of issues about our ethnicity and uh, the way we dress, and they use a lot of Hebrew. You know, should we be concerned about that, or what is the main issue with them, and then and how should we approach them?
1: Well, this is really good questions that you have, and let me just say that um, I've done a lot of uh, research and study in this area. I'm one of the leading experts on the Black Hebrew Israelites, and I did a big lecture uh, in Stockton at a predominantly Black church. There, they had an apologetic ministry. They called me. Uh, I came in and. They had some black Hebrew Israelites that appeared there uh, during my lecture. And then I did a big lecture uh, in Oakland at uh, a church there not too long ago. And then there is a podcast on the uh, Craig Roberts uh, podcast, uh, KFAX, uh, that he interviewed me. So those are some resources, and you can always contact us, too, and uh, we can uh, make uh, work with you on the, the the CDs of those lectures, and they'll give you a lot of in- information. But let me give you a Reader's Digest condensation of some approaches that will be uh, beneficial to you. Um, th- when you mention about Christ and salvation, uh, you're knocking a home run with that because <clears throat> we got to stay focused on the simplicity of Christ and uh, the Black Hebrew Israelites can get you uh, off on a tantrum like all the other cults. You know, when you're dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they like to take you everywhere except the right place. And that's dealing with who the real Jesus is. Because Walter Martin in his book, he mentions defining language and terminology. And we got to define with people who is the Christ of the Bible, what does salvation mean from a biblical perspective? And those things are very important. So the black Hebrew Israelites, they want to get into uh, the Hebrew names. And really, uh, that's getting you really sidetracked when uh, the, everything now is under, uh, you know, that's why we have the Septuagint, which the Old Testament translated to Greek. They spoke Greek, not Hebrew in Jesus' day. Uh, most of them did. They spoke that. And Jesus said, our Father was in heaven. he's brought that, but when they're kind of like dealing with people, they're kind of getting black people into victimization that, you know, this is what the white man has done because they're racist. And then they get the white people into guilt trip. You know, they had in one state where uh, some of the whites were uh, coming up, kissing their boots. I think it was in New York or somewhere like that because they, they emphasized guilt among whites and then victimization among blacks, but what I would do on an evangelistic level is to stick with the Christ of the Bible, you know, the essentials of the historic Christian faith, you know, that there's only one way, that Jesus is the only way, and, uh, you know, that he is God incarnate in the flesh and the only Savior of the world, because it makes it very clear uh, in, uh, you know, uh, Acts four and 12 and there's no other salvation but in him and then jesus said i'm the way the truth and life but one of the things i I realized with the black hebrew is like that they can't stand and whatever they can't stand uh you need to kind of emphasize that uh and that's what i did in the lectures is that they uh are law keepers right and so when the uh, black Hebrew israelites came to the church in stockton they were it was about 25 of them and they were trying to argue with me about the law and keeping the law. And what I did was I brought the fact out, like I talked about tonight, about Jesus saying the greatest commandments to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as, as yourself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the problem. They didn't want to hear that because you're talking about God's love, and he, and, and then you hit with that Romans 13, the commandments is fulfilled, fulfilled in love. The other thing that is very strong in witnessing to them is the fact that uh, since they are law keepers, you want to make it clear to them that, uh, you know, we're not no longer under the law. Are, the law has been fulfilled in Christ. See, again, you're sticking with Christ. And then they hate the book of Galatians. Whatever book that they hate, that's what you want to emphasize. And it's interesting that Paul talks about in Galatians 3 and 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, so uh, they are under a curse, living under the law, and that's one of the reasons why they hate the book of Hebrew. I mean Galatians, because Paul hits them right in the forehead that Christ is the fulfillment uh, of the law. He's our fulfilled everything. The schoolmaster, he fulfilled it, and that he's our mediator today and uh, all this stuff he lays out. But so those are the approaches that I would do uh, with the black Hebrew Israelite is just focus on Christ being the only way, focus on Galatians that, you know, you're into the law. And like I said, Galatians 3 and 10, for as many as other works of the law are under a curse. And you say to them, do you want to live in a curse or you want to be blessed? Because they get back to Deuteronomy 28 and talking about, you know, people are cursed and then they're only, the curse comes off, off of them when they you become a black Hebrew. Israelite. like, well, not according to Paul. If you're into the law, you're into all of that stuff, you're under still a curse. And only Christ can deliver you from that curse. So hopefully uh, some of this has helped. And again, uh, I'm just giving you a Reader's Digest condensation. I would really encourage you to get my CD's because I go into, um, like, uh, I think a two-day, well, in Oakland, I think I did it for two days, and it's thorough. I get into the history, the theology, the attractions, and how to witness, and I lay that out, and it's very thorough. It's about a four-hour lecture, and I would encourage you to get our address and contact us so I can get that to you.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Berner. Now, now, can I ask you just one more question? Uh, uh, how do— how How do they
1: define salvation? Well, that's a good question. They define salvation by uh, keeping the law, by keeping the law and following uh, all the things that their previous leaders has dictated to them. See, cults are always defined by, like you take a Jehovah's Witness, by Charles Taze Russell, uh, Mormons with the teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. So when you put the teachings of these various leaders, which I lay out, and then you get, they get into the law, salvation, everything to them is keeping the law and keeping some of the ceremonies and all that stuff. And you have a great opportunity to witness with that by pointing them to Christ who's delivered them from the law by grace, you emphasize grace. And, you know, now we're under grace You know, and uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. They're into works. That's their emphasis. They're into you being black and keeping the law. All of that stuff encompasses salvation with them, but it's a lie of the enemy. All right. Hopefully that helps out, my brother. Uh, We're going to get to some more calls, but God bless you and uh, contact us so we can get those CDs to you. Okay, thank you very much. All right, you got it. All right, let's go to Sophia. Sophia, how you doing?
4: Oh, I tell you, I I might have to call another time. I'm so excited because I am so blessed by contending for the faith. Let me quick, this is a testimony. I'm not going to get to a question. It's a testimony. I must give forth, put forth, because I had called about anger. You described how no... The enemy is Satan, and it diffused. Not that I was showing anger, but I felt it in my heart. So, was studying the Bible after you were gone last week, I study, study, study. Now I realize in what you were talking about in the opening today, it's, 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 when I say every morning I put on the armor of God, now I realize that the armor of God, and I might not be right about this, but to me, it's keeping our eye on the Word of God, and as long as we stick to the biblical um, word of God, then that is how, you know, someone said to me the other day, Sophia, you're always happy. You try to be helpful. I'm not talking about myself. That's what they said to me. And then they said, you're not so bad for a Christian. And I thought, you know what, that's good, because maybe that will start to to break through. You know, that's how we could do it. And I didn't realize that instead of being upset about pedophilia, it shouldn't be a crime, all this stuff going on. Now I focus on doing God's, and I hope I'm right in this regard. You said salt and light, so that's really what what we do. We we have to be like Christ. I don't mean be Christ, but be Christ-like. Am I correct in this?
1: Because yeah, that's I true, so much and to, to, add, to add something very important to that is that the reason why a lot of us live defeated lives because we're not only like uh, you indicated that I mentioned before about putting the armor of God on, but we, the the key to being successful and living a successful Christian life is being filled with the spirit because Galatians five and 22 says the fruit of the spirit is love, you know, and it it puts that at the the beginning of the fruit of the spirit, love and, you know, and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and self-control, even self-control comes by the Holy Spirit controlling us. So we got a lot of Christians who get angry and get upset because they're flesh-driven, not spirit-driven. And what knocks keeps the flesh in check and uh, all, all the things of the world and Satan is when you fill it with the Holy Spirit. And so you want to make sure, uh, the white line of Moody said, many of people are praying for God to fill them when they're already filled with something else. And he says in his book, Secret Powers, there gotta be an emptying before there can be a filling. So you gotta empty yourself of pride and doing it your way. Repent of that and Holy Spirit come upon you and give you power. Let us pray for you because we're gonna try to get to Jackie before the i so We going not continue this with you. Let's have Gary to pray for you and we're gonna try to get to Jackie before our program ends. <laughs> but uh, brother Gary, pray around that for us. Uh,
3: oh yes. Lord, we just thank you for Sophia. And we just pray that you continue to bless her, continue to fill her with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. You are giving her much wisdom and grace already, and we just pray that you continue to bless her. as She continues her journey with you, that she would always abide in you, Lord God, because your word says that apart from you, we can do no good thing, Lord God. So keep her right there as the apple of your eye. Continue to bless her, strengthen her, and encourage her. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Uh, Sophia, thank you for your call, and God bless you, and let's continue this conversation sometime in the future.
3: God
4: bless you.
1: God bless you, too. All right, let's quickly go to Jackie. Hello, Jackie. How are you doing?
4: Hi, good. How are you?
1: We're truly blessed and highly favored in the Lord, and uh, we appreciate your yes, call. you
0: are. <laughs> yes, hey, amen. You are. <laughs> and
1: appreciate always your prayers and your support as well, and uh, let's use our time wisely, and what's on your heart?
4: What's on my heart is Genesis, where God says, they shall become one flesh mm-hmm. in marriage, Genesis 2 and 24. And my question is, isn't that children?
1: Yes, that that does refer to children, but it's even uh, deeper. I mean, it has a deeper meaning along with that. Let me kind of break this down to you. So when it talks about Genesis 2 and 24, one flesh, it speaks of a uh, complete unity of the parts of a making of a whole. An example, like for instance, one cluster, many grapes, numbers 13 and 23. Or one God Wait a in th- hold
4: on, let me
2: write
1: that down numbers what yeah numbers uh thirteen and twenty three uh or 13. uh one yeah numbers thirteen and twenty three or one God in three persons uh so you got one God in three persons Deuteronomy six and four Deuteronomy six and four and just let me say a few more things on this for a time. thus this marital union. And when it talks about one flesh, it's referring to the marital union was complete and whole with two people. This also implies their sexual completeness. One man and one woman constitutes the pair of reproduction. So the one flesh, getting back to the one flesh, is primarily seen in a child born of that union. And that one okay. perfect result. Now, this is an important point. there's one perfect result of the union of two. So, there's other scriptures that you may want to write down. And that's uh, Matthew 19, Matthew 19, verses 5 and 6. And then Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 8. Mark chapter 10, verse 8. And then 1 Corinthians 6 and 16. 1 Corinthians 6 and 16, and Ephesians 5 and 31. So that's what it's referring to, the union, uh, but it's also referring to uh, one flesh uh, and it's referring to uh, the childbearing. So it's a combination of the two.
3: All right, well, we've come to the end of tonight's broadcast. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God wish to bless you.